Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, Anthony. When Anthony used to work at Lifeline House, every now and again you'd walk into the office and you'd find that he's trying to psych himself up, and so he'd be on his little wheelie chair near his desk. <sighs> Come on, Anthony! <laughs> Very entertaining. Can you hear me okay? Have I got it in the right place? Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to look at something that we've looked with the young people. Um, and so the title we've got is Can You Dig It? And um, I don't have the song. Apparently there was a song about Can You Dig It? Anyone remember the song? It wasn't a very good song, really, to be honest. And I even looked at the, the movie that inspired the song, and that wasn't very inspiring either. So I have no music for you in terms of Can You Dig It? So we've been going through a series with the young people at the moment, and it's called... Um, what a character series. So we're looking at 20 characters over the next 20 sessions um, following those that were in the main kind of narrative of the Bible that, that carry the story from one person to another, almost like a relay. So we've, we've done the first six, six sessions. Wow, that was difficult. Um, and uh, one of the ones that we did a week ago on Friday was Isaac and... There was something that stuck out to us that we thought would be relevant for you guys, and it's particularly about wells and digging wells. So what I want to do, I want to just kind of take you through the stuff that we looked at, and I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to come and meet with you today. And just when I was preparing this and thinking about you guys, just, I, I just really got excited about the work of the Holy Spirit. So um, as we go through... Let's just have your mind open to what, what he's saying to you. So we're going to look at Genesis 26 just briefly. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the same names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug the well in the valley and found that there was a well of flowing water... The herdsmen of Gera quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, This is our water. So he named the well Ezek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that too. So he named it Sitna. He moved away from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth. For he said, At last the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Now, when I was just looking at the different names of the wells, I found it quite interesting that uh, Rehoboth is the word for broad place. And you know, we've talked about a broad place for a long time now. And the idea of a broad place is coming into the freedom of what God's got for us into a place of prosperity. If we want to experience that as people of lifeline, there's something about digging a well that we've got to, we've got to find for ourselves. Because God has called you to dig a well. So, when we talk about a well, in the natural, I'm not sure if this is scientifically correct, but this is what I'm saying, and since I've got the microphone, it is scientifically correct. 
So I'm saying it's a point where the earth has been dug until the underground water table has been reached, and so it provides people with access to water that they wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. Interestingly, that there can be a place of life that can exist even in a desert if there's access to water. And I find these pictures amazing when you see in the middle of this desert, there's a little pool of water and you've got like a tropical rainforest that can develop around it. People are able to live in the most driest areas if there's an access to a water source. People go to a well to be refreshed, encouraged, and sustained. I think that picture's incredible. Some, some place in India, just the amount of people that are drawn to, to a well. So that's what we're talking about in the natural, but what I believe today is God's saying that a well is our connection with the Holy Spirit. So let me just explain a little bit how that works. Why would I dig a well? I realize I need fresh water, and that means... I need to know God's love and empowering to live the way that he wants. I know I need the Holy Spirit to be active in my life. Maybe just, I just feel low. Just everything that's going on in my life, I can only think that it's going to get worse. I can't see anything positive. I'm out of love. I'm out of hope. I'm out of enthusiasm. I need a well dug. I need to connect with the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to teach me, comfort me, and make me more like him. So how do I do it? I choose to love, obey, and follow God. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to, how to dig a well later, but just generally, I might know, okay, I, I've, I've not forgiven uh, Jacob for the things that, that he said about me. And so I'm saying, God, help me. I don't want to feel like this. And God says, sure, forgive. I don't really want to do that. Can you just take the bitter feeling away? Then I, I'm all right with that. That's, that's not digging a well. That's choosing my way over his. So there's my little fellow. He's been digging, digging away. He's got quite, quite far down. But, you know, digging is hard work, and sometimes I just, I just want to relax. Just, just chill out there. Sometimes I might feel like giving up, or I just kind of get comfortable with what I have. So instead of continuing to dig, I decide, well, let, let me fill it up with what I've got. And that's when we get something that's called a cistern. A cistern is a storage of water, a cistern that, that holds water. The thing is, it, it's not fresh water. It's only what you've put in there that you can then get out at a, at a later time. Now, when we are talking about this, we came across Jeremiah 2.13, which says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. I find it interesting that he says there's two sins. It's not just one. There's, there's two in there. They've forgotten me, and they've made themselves an alternative. And so that's what a cistern is. It's an alternative to the living springs of God. So in this scenario, in this situation, what are we talking about? So... A cistern is when I try and live off past experiences. When I was 17, I had an amazing time of meeting with God. It, it inspired me. It drove me. But I don't look back and think, oh, those were the good old days when I was 17. Because 
that experience led me to say, I want more fresh experiences. Not something that, all right, that's good, I'll, I'll have that now. When we try and rely on other people's experiences and understanding, that is also a way that we build a system. All right, let, let me come on Sunday, let's hear what, what the teacher has to say. I, they, they give me the understanding that I need. That's relying on someone else's experience, someone else's understanding. Rely on my own efforts to get what I want. We often forget that we do this, but we do an awful lot of strategizing. Okay, so to get this, I see step one, two, three, and four to get it. And we actually forget the, the role that God has in what, we've, what we're called to do. I was having a conversation with someone the other day that needed to get money back off of someone. And so they were asking, so do I, do I go through legal means to, to try and get this money back? I said, so what, what's, your, what's your issue with this money? That, well, I need this money in order to pay back my brother because my brother needs the money to pay for this. And you can see that they'd strategized every step. All right, if I sue this person, I'll take them to small claims court, then that will release this money, then I can get that money, then I can give it to my brother, and then my brother can pay off the debts that he's got. Very logical, but it was relying on her own understanding of what she could do. We do it all the time. All right, I've got to fit in with this group, so then these, this is the type of music I've got to listen to, or this is, the, this is how I've got to be in this situation. Another idea of a system is when we try and please God out of our own efforts. If I just read the Bible harder, if I just gave a little bit more, if I tried really hard to, to, to love Jamie, even though it's so hard, if I just tried a little bit harder, can sometimes be a little bit offensive to God, I'm sure, that he's given us a gift that is so pure, so amazing, to think that I can earn it for myself by trying harder. I, I don't really do him credit. So we can be in a situation where we've dug a well, but then we kind of neglect to maintain it. So the, the water's starting to come up, so what does neglecting mean? It means God did something. God showed me something, and it was really exciting. There was, there was a connection with the Spirit, but then life continued, and I forgot about him, and this happened. The well collapsed and became a cistern because it's not got connection to, to the water table, to the Holy Spirit any longer. So what do I do? I come along and I turn it into a system. I choose to live off previous experiences instead of inviting the Holy Spirit to be part of my life on an active basis. But we do have the choice. We can just keep digging. We can reach something. We can refuse to fit, settle for anything and say, I want everything that you've promised. And then something like this happens. There we go, using PowerPoint to the max. When I dig a well and connect with the Holy Spirit, not only does it do something in me, it does something in those around me. Where there's a well, people come and are able to access life. They might not have their own well to begin with, but they can access something from me. We bring the Holy Spirit to the surface. We enable him to touch down because he touches down in his temple. We are his temple. 
and people can come and benefit from that with all the kinds of fruits and the things that the Holy Spirit does. Who, who could do with a little bit more self-control? Just that ability just to hold your tongue when someone's just really, really riled you and you've not said the spiteful thing. <laughs> okay, Alex. <laughs> the most honest person here. I could do with it too, by the way, Alex. That time where you, something's just riled you and before you, before you thought about it, you've just said the word that doesn't bring life and it cuts someone down. You think, well, first of all, I've damaged myself in that, but I've also damaged the other person. Flip it around the other, other way. I can hold my tongue and then I can bring something of life. It benefits not just me, but the other person. I'm a well for my community. So, how can I best help myself and those around me? Be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is his divine power given to us for everything we need for a godly living. Oh, can't stay on that one. All right, Jenny. Jenny's going to come help me. Going to interview her. I wasn't allowed to keep that picture on. I thought it was a great one. Are you sure we can't go back to it? Okay. So... Um, I had a conversation with, with Jenny some time ago, and um, I just thought it would be really helpful for us to see like, how the well works in, in reality. So you came to talk with me um, back before Easter about concerns for some of your friends, and particularly that they were self-harming. Um, what was your focus when you first wanted to talk with me? Um, I wanted to help them, like find a purpose so that they wouldn't need to self-harm. Okay, now, in my kind of provocative way, I then said, so, what's your purpose? Where, where are you going? And you responded to that. Yeah, I said I didn't know. And so then I asked, what do you think, is, what do you think God actually thinks of you? I didn't know. Okay. So we said, okay, well, you want to be a well to the community around you. You want others to come and, and get God's empowering but you've not actually dug that for yourself. So we made the focus together to be, let's pray, let's see something break through here that you would hear and see God for yourself and have that connection with God. So what, what did we do that was helpful? Um, Jamie printed out like some Bible verses about what God says about us, and I just had them on my wall, and I would just look at them. And... Particularly Romans 8 stood out to you. And um, in that, that sense, it was particularly that even though there was issues going on with your friendship group, nothing could separate you from, from God's love. And um, so after that revelation hit you, you went along to 16 plus, And what, was, what happened there? Um, we were talking about the Romans 8 section um, because I had like spoken about it. And so there were, I, I got feedback from the other leaders that, wow, Jenny had such a revelation of what this was and an excitement, and it actually kind of inspired the rest of the 16-plus group that was there. I said, well, this, is, this shows the well in action. As she's touched something, it's then managed to bring something to, to others. The very thing that she wanted to start with, it was just the wrong way around, and we, we worked it back the other way. The challenge was, what have you done with it since? Um, I kind of just like sat on it. I was like, oh yeah, that's nice. Like, I just had it on my wall, just looking at it. 
And so, in, in, a, in, in a sense, Jenny didn't maintain that well at that point in time. And so there was a collapsing, and it became a system because she could now look back at that time in April when God spoke to her, and that was really nice, but it, it didn't develop from there. Thank you very much, Jenny. So I'm, I'm really thankful for, for Jenny sharing that because it's, it's opening up a work in progress for Jenny, and she's got to make the choice what, what does she do about it now that she's noticed that that well has somewhat collapsed in, that oh, she's got an experience that she can pull out, but there's nothing fresh coming through. And I was kind of thinking, it's kind of like she got a love letter from God, and she read it, and it was exciting and inspiring, but it was framed and put on the wall rather than responded to. And that's part of what it is to, to dig a well. We respond to that letter because we don't just want a love letter from God, we want a, a, a loving relationship with God. We want to hear more of what he says towards us about who we are and about who he is. We want to take it further than that. So what does the Holy Spirit do? This is the bit where I, I was looking at it this week, and just thought, wow, what a gift we have in the Holy Spirit. So just going to go through a few things what have I got? I've got 10 things that the Holy Spirit does. And I just want you to be thinking, are these some, could you do with this in your life? Could you do with this connection with the Holy Spirit? So first thing, he's the helper who teaches us. John 14, he, he's also our advocate, our defender. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. This is, this is Jesus talking. Remind you everything I've said, said to you. Would it be helpful if you could remember the word of God and hear his thoughts in any given ordinary or extraordinary situation? Just to remember, but what did God say? What did he say? Kind of like what, what Phil's testimony was. That, that prompting, let me read over what he said to me. Once that thing touches us again, just reminds us. John 16 he will guide you to all truth. He will tell you what is yet to come. Is, is anyone plagued sometimes or knocked off course with lies of the enemy? Anyone anxious about what's coming tomorrow? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could have the Holy Spirit tell us what's coming ahead? Remind us of all truth? 1 Corinthians 2. He reveals things to me about the depth of God, which no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Things that the brightest minds haven't been able to figure out. He reveals it to me. I can see it, because he's enabled me to. Hebrews 10, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about um, what he has done in us. Things that I couldn't possibly believe he'd done in me, the Holy Spirit tells me about. That I'm made perfect, that I'm forgiven, that he's written the law on my heart. I, I couldn't figure that out. I couldn't believe that if it wasn't him working in me to believe it. He enables me to connect with God. He enables me to connect with God. I can connect with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. He testifies with our spirit that we're sons and daughters of God. If I only knew what that meant, Wow, it would, I would walk tall. 
any situation, I am the son of God. We, on the um, youth weekend away, um, we're talking about being heavy. And Emily Hooper said afterwards, when I went into school the next day, I was just hoping someone would try and pick on me because I'd tell them I'm God's child. I'm like, yes. The Holy Spirit did something in her at that point. You can't touch me because I'm the daughter of God. Galatians 4. His spirit has been placed in me and cries out, Abba, Father, on my behalf. He calls out to God from within me even when I can't do it. Calls him Abba, Father. He's my father. He's approachable. He empowers us. See, in Acts 1, the disciples, quite understandably, are scared witless. They are at a point where they've just seen their saviour, the guy that was meant to kind of take, take his kingdom throughout all the earth, just crucified. And they're in the same city, and they're hiding up in a, in a room, because there's people that are probably hunting them, want to just stamp this Jesus thing out completely. And then the Holy Spirit touches down, and they go out into the street, and they are so loud and so obnoxious that people think that they're drunk. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Who could do with that power that overcomes intimidation? Are you facing intimidation in areas of your life where you need to be empowered? Produces fruit in us. Who could do with a little bit more peace? Who could do with a little bit more love? Or patience or joy? Self-control? That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As he lives in me, these are the things that he produces. Brings freedom. This, is, um, this one particularly stuck out to me. In 2 Corinthians 3, 15 to 18. Even to this day, when Moses is read, so it's the law of Moses, the, the first few books of the Bible, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate God's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We wouldn't be able to, to understand. We couldn't see God through the law. But the Holy Spirit comes and reveals who he's like. And he enables me to see him. And as I see him, I'm automatically changed to be more like him. I could really do with that. Some days I don't think <laughs> that's true. But if he was to work in me, and enable me to see without that veil on, to see who God really is, what his heart really is, that would be incredible. He gives us gifts, miracles, prophetic words. Wouldn't that be amazing? You have a word for someone that changes their situation because it's the living and active word of God that is posted into their life. Faith, that ability to believe what God says over and above all of your natural senses. These are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Gives life. We don't have to live in dead religion, but there's freedom for all those and have hope in the future. Anyone that you know that could do with a hope in the future, you're an ambassador to that person. 
if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people are only facing doom. But we're not called to be prophets of doom. Let the Holy Spirit fill you so that it causes an excited expectation of awesomeness to happen. Just to bubble up like, yeah, it looks desperate. But I know a God that doesn't see it as desperate, that sees a hope and a future. He causes us to obey, kind of like the cocks at the front of a rowing boat shouting at us constantly. Come on, this is the way. This is the way that I want you to live. In Ezekiel 36, I will put my spirit in you, and it moves us to follow his decree and be careful to, to do what God wants, which happens to be the best thing for my life as well. I can't, I can't want to do what God wants me to do without him working in me. I can't, I can't make myself to desire it if he wasn't working in me. And so sometimes that's what I need. God, come I welcome you in me to make me want to do what you want to do. To, to act how you'd want me to act. Finally, the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. I don't have to constantly double guess. Was, did I take the right turn or the, the wrong turn here? Just as the Holy Spirit led Jesus out to be tempted, sometimes we can think, oh, have I taken the wrong step to be tempted? But if we know that we are led by the Holy Spirit, we can't, we can't go wrong. So learning to dig your wells. How do we do it? First, ever so simple. Ask God to fill you. It says in Luke 11, If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So simple. Ask. John 3, 34. He gives the Spirit without measure. When I was um, looking, there's amazing stuff on YouTube. It tells you how to dig a well. Um, so I was looking up, how do you dig a well? And this very intelligent, inspiring um, bearded man from America said that you should look to see where there's a tall tree. And he said that sometimes people would try and avoid the tall tree because they got deep roots that would be in the way. But that's the best way to guarantee where there's a water source, where there's a tall tree. So just dig there. So who's big and mature in your life? Ask them questions. Copy how they live their life. Sounds kind of familiar to the catching casting stuff we've been looking at recently. I don't think God's letting up on us on that. If, if you want to dig a well, find someone that's big and mature around you and say, how do you do it? How do I access God? I want to know and believe the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, all of these things that I'm putting up, if they were easy, then we wouldn't have a problem with not maintaining our well or struggling to finish digging it. There are a thousand arguments that will come against these things that I'm suggesting. God has spoken through his word. It's there for us. It's alive and active. When we tap into it, I'm just looking at the, the things that the Holy Spirit does. Man, I'm excited about it. Like, this, is, 
This is available to us. We can have this today. Take time to spend with God. Now, uh, Rachel Turner talked about she found the best time with God was in the toilet. Um, there was also a, 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 one of the guys from Bethel Church. He picked the best place to meet with God was in the toilet. Um, I guess you can log on there. Um, but um, there is something about having that space and that time where you dedicate it to God, where, you're, where you can't be interrupted where you ask God to express himself to you as you express yourself to him. Making times when, when we're all together. Utilize meetings. Sometimes we can come along to be passengers, but that's not the way that the Bible talks about when we come together, that everyone brings something, that we're not waiting to be entertained or inspired. What have we got to bring? And how do we make use of this stuff? Are we just getting lost in thoughts for, for the rest of the time? How can we dig during these times? Oh, I don't really like this song, or it's a bit hot, I'm a bit bothered. Well, that, that's why people stop digging, because it gets uncomfortable. But if our focus is, I want to make him comfortable, if that's my priority, even if I sacrifice my own comfort, that's what digging a well looks like. What influences are we letting in? If I spend my time with whiny people, Am I going to be influenced to be whiny? If there's always people offering me a negative way of thinking, is that going to help me? What do I watch? If I'm watching TV with a lot of sex in it, have I got to spend a lot more of my concentration time not to fall back into thinking about images that I've seen? Is that a useful use of my time? But if I chat to people that remind me of the truth, that inspire me, that challenge me to think how God would think, that's, that's a good way to dig a well. So here's a little flow diagram for you, to, for you to think where you're at today. Have you ever started to dig a well? If not, do you want to start digging one today? If not, what would you like to ask God? If you had his ear, what do you want to ask him today? If you do want to start, will you ask the Holy Spirit to help you today? If you think, yes, I have dug a well, but when asked, are you still digging, you say no. Have you neglected the well? Have you allowed it to turn back into a cistern? Have you got bored? or comfortable where you're at? Would you like to restart digging today? And if, yeah, you feel that you're still digging, what would help you continue? In a little bit, we're just going to ask the, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come meet with us today. Because he wants to come and empower us to connect with him. Quite interestingly, when I was looking at one of the videos about digging wells, um, there's a point where they said, okay, once you get to this depth, it, it's actually, they were using this thing where you put it down, you, you turn it, and it, it cuts, cuts the earth, and it catches it into a bucket. And this guy was saying, I'm, I'm digging, and I've reached a sandy bit now, so what, by the time I'm pulling it up, 
the sand's falling out back into the, back into the hole. So he said, what I discovered worked well is if I get some water, pour it into the hole, and then it clumps the sand together so I can actually pull it out in the bucket. It's so almost like the idea of priming a pump in that. Like, if I've got a little bit of the Holy Spirit working in me, I want to use that to get more. So God, as I'm enjoying you, I'd never want to get settled with it. I don't want to enjoy an experience when I'm 17 and not when I'm 18, 19, 20. I want it to drive me to want more. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. He's saying, come to me. You might be thinking, thinking, oh my goodness, I've, I've really neglected my well here. You might think, oh, I don't, I don't know if I could start again. I don't think God would, God would respond to me. But that's his word, come to me. Come to me, let me make a difference. Let me make a difference for you today. We're going to listen to a song um, by Bethel. You may have heard it. And I'll put the lyrics up so that you can have a little look at them while, while the song's going on. And we'll see where we, where we go from there. I go before you now. I stand beside you. And I'm all around you. Though you feel I'm far away. I'm closer than your breath. And I am